Oh, it's good to be back. Jay Posner, Hot Lava Podcast. I'm Kevin AC, Pottery's Beat Writer, and there is Jay Posner, uh, sports editor of the Union Tribune. Jay, it's the A's. It's interleague play. Are you going to be there tonight? I am. Yeah. I am. I'm on vacation this week, Kevin. That's how important this is. The A's or the Padres? The A's, the Padres, the podcast, just just everything. Uh, It's not important enough for me to do it twice this week, but I will do do today before I leave you alone on uh, Thursday. But it is good to see you in in person even, both of us in the luxurious Union Tribune offices here downtown. The A's are in town. I will be there. I I like watching American League teams, teams you don't get to see much. Mm-hmm. Um, looking forward to the only disappointment with the schedule this year is the one AL West team that does not come to Petco is the one you would want to see the most, the Houston Astros. But the rest will all be here. The uh, the A's with uh, Chris Davis, always fun to watch him hit. Doesn't always make contact, but when he does, <laughs> often goes a long way. 20 home runs. Uh, Cal State Fullerton guy, so he's back in, in Southern California, uh, the southernest, southernmost part of Southern California, ready to attack the Padres tonight. Jay, you just mentioned something, and you know how I am. I like to, I just kind of go wherever my brain takes me, and it's sometimes Uh-oh. whatever. <laughs> you said he doesn't always make contact. Do you know there are 26 players in Major League Baseball hitting 300 or better right now? That's it. Yeah. In 2000, 52 players finished the season at 300 or better. You know what? I would have thought the number would be lower. Wow, That's, that just kind of blew my mind. I know. I thought maybe I in the 30s. I mean, right. whatever, on base. Uh, I've been talking a lot to guys about this, like, what the heck is wrong? <laughs> pitching too good, hitters is whatever. Anyway. And yet um, then there's, you know, you turn on the TV and like Mike Trout last night, you know, a couple hits, a couple walks. He's having an unbelievable season. We'll see. And he's another guy that we'll see here. Uh, so that's nice. In, in a couple of months, which is also, which is also good. And, and maybe even Otani. You know, he won't be pitching then, but it's going to be interesting to see what the Angels do with him, but that's getting off the subject. So the A's, A's, who may have ruined baseball um, long ago, (laughs) are here, and they're 36 and 36. They are the opposite coming in of what the Padres uh, have been. They won their their last two games, I think took two or three from the Angels, but they've lost 11 of their last 15, which is like the exact opposite of the Padres, who had won 11 of 16 before going to um, Atlanta, and they've lost their last two. Anyway, that's where we're at, Jay. At the end of June, what what happened to the Padres? Those those. It's funny that it, you hate to read too much into. We, yeah, we always talk about this, but those last two games, it was like, wow, things are rolling along. And the last two games, maybe they were just maybe. I mean, you hate to say they were tired or worn out, or you know, the heat got to them or whatever. But they just didn't quite look the same, especially offensively. And maybe it's just you know, good pitching shuts down good hitting and. You know, I will that say kind this, of, that kind of stuff. Those Braves got some good pitchers. And mm-hmm. if Julio Tehran, who just came off the disabled list, 13 days of rest, throwing five to eight miles an hour faster than he was when the Padres banged him around. Right. If he is pitching like he was a couple of years ago, and then Fulton comes back off the DL, who they missed because he won the DL. Right. And you got Sean Newcomb, who now shut them out three times over six <laughs> innings every single time. Um, the A's, I mean, the, the, the Braves, uh, wow. It's, it's a really good team with some really good hitters. Right, and the Braves are a team that have been better than people thought. I mean, no one quite figured they were quite there yet. And I think the A's are another team. I don't think we thought the A's would be at 500 at this point. It didn't seem like they had that much going for them, but the, that's where they are. And uh, the, the Padres are not quite at 500. But you wrote a, a good piece today, good analysis of the – of the situation. And, and for those who missed it, why don't you sum up what you, uh, what you told the folks today? Well, they're more buyers than sellers. I call them investors. Uh, and they are not contenders. 
They are, are they better. more buyers than sellers, or they're sellers more sellers, than, sellers, than, sellers buyers. than buyers. More okay. sellers than buyers. Somebody will be gone. Right. Uh, as long, but my understanding is that other teams are still gathering intel. Like we haven't seen a whole bunch of scouts uh, just there wondering, you know, hey, what does it Brad Hand look like? Could he help our team? Now they know what Brad Hand is. They know what yes, Kirby Yates can. is. Right. They know <laughs> what, what Tyson Ross is. But in terms of these, you know, somewhat few contenders who are going to be buyers, knowing exactly what they want, I think that we're probably looking into uh, July. But it only takes one. That's what they say. Someone well, and comes and knocks. Happened, and it happened yesterday. I mean, the Royals traded Herrera mm-hmm. to the Nationals, and most of what I read today. Uh, and yesterday after the trade seemed like people thought that the Nationals didn't really have to give up a whole lot. But it's a different situation than Brad Hand. Herrera is a free agent at the end of the mm-hmm. year. Hasn't been maybe quite as good uh, recently. And the, the Padres are not going to settle for what the Royals got. They're not, they're, if they're going to trade Brad Hand, they're going to get more than Kansas City. Whether it was Craig Kimbrell who he really gambled on, A.J. Preller did, or uh, Andrew Kashner, who he got a good haul for, uh, where there were chances and maybe others in the organization thought that the trade should have been made. A.J. Preller said, nope, I can get more. That is what A.J. Preller is going to do. I've been told point blank that, look, we don't have to do this, especially Brad Hand or even, say, Tyson Ross. I mean, this is a guy who's, you know, 31 years old. Yes. Would it be great to get something for him? But, but um, some of these things I've seen thrown around, and, and I think they're just media generated. The prospects that would be coming back to the Padres just don't seem enough. The, mm-hmm. Here's the deal. And I think this is very encouraging for Padres fans. Even if you're frustrated right now, well, wait a minute, they're only six and a half back. And I'm going to ignore the fact that there's, you know, four teams in front of them in the NOS <laughs> and everybody would have to tank again. Um, that what the Padres want to be is a champion, meaning... Um, mid-level prospects aren't going to do us anything. Right. I, I, I would still, on top of that, would still be surprised if Tyson Ross is here. Because of the impending free agency. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just the idea that he's a guy that it seems like you could sell high on and there's not much for Tyson Ross after this year. Brad Hand is a guy, hey, if you don't trade him now, you could do you know what they did with Kimbrell and trade him in the offseason, or you can hold on to him. But does this team really need a Brad Hand over the next year or two? I, I, I don't know. I Listen, mean, I guess not when you've got Jose Castillo, right? And, and the, I would say that Kirby Yates is a trade candidate as well. Okay, correct. Um, and then you've got some guys in the minors you want to find out. Look, do I think Robert Stock, who's like throwing one hundred and two, is you know, but it's straight as an arrow? Is they got to find out? Right. Trey right. Wingenter. Um, gosh, probably two or three guys we don't know. Like, how many of us had to, we knew Jose Castillo was there? How many of us knew he was going to come up and throw 10 and shut out innings when he first came up and hit 97 and his sliders almost as sick as Brad Hans? They're, they have a lot to find out, is basically uh, the gist of this season still, Jay. Correct. And, but I do think part of that is finding a couple deals. I mean, teams do get desperate. Come the sec- especially the second half of July, you know the games start to get away from them. The standings start to look a little, a little tilted against them, and it's like, hey, we need to make a move. And you know the Padres were, have been in that position before. They made the unfortunate decision to, you know, and it cost them a guy like Corey Kluber, who nobody thought he was going to be what Corey Kluber is. But they didn't get anything back for him in terms of of production. Other teams, uh, other teams are going to be in a position where they need a starting pitcher or they need a left-handed reliever or maybe a right-handed reliever, whatever it is. I still think the Padres make a couple of deals, but I don't think we see a full-on 
everybody must go. They're not in a spot where they say, hey, everybody must go come July 31st. The Padres are dealing from strength right now uh, where they don't have to get rid of these guys. They are better than they thought is one thing I'll say. Some of their players have made more improvement than they anticipated. What does that mean? Well, if they kept Brad Hand, would that be the worst thing in the world? The guy's under control for three more seasons. Right. I I don't know if it is or not. I I think... To me, it seems like there's going to be people, because of Hand's contract situation, somebody's mm. going to be willing to pay a premium for Brad Hand. And in that case, then we know Adrian Preller's going to take I'm it. I'm the guy that says they need to take that. Um, you know, and, and let's see what, uh, let's say Castillo does, or if Yates is still here. I mean, Yates has been doing some closing as it is. And, and I don't think there's anything, there's, there's nothing wrong with trading Brad Hand as long as you get a really good haul back. Yeah. Giving away Brad Hand makes no sense, and I would not expect the, the Padres to be doing that. If he's traded, even if we, and we probably won't have, heard of any of the guys they get back, we can trust that the Padres think those guys are really good. Right. I, no. would, I would say that's true, <laughs> okay. as opposed to, I'm sure in some deals, they hope that guys are going to be good. Yeah. If you're trading Brad Hand, you better be sure that you're getting something that you're getting something back for that. I don't think, obviously, Tyson Ross is not going to bring back the same level of prospect that someone like Brad Hand is. That's, so that's at, a pretty obvious statement. At this Thank point, you. they're um, okay. So they're playing the A's, Jay, and this Paul Blackburn kid and the guy uh, Frankie um, Frankie Minton, I think. Whatever. Uh, the two starters for the A's are guys that have been pressed into action because the A's rotation ha- has been uh, hurt. Why am I talking about the A's pitchers? Well, I want to see how the Padres bounce back from the 7, 12, I think 30 strikeouts in the final two games. Okay, 17, they're most in a nine-inning game. If we're talking about the most the Padres have struck out in a game this year, you know it's a lot because they've struck out a lot. (laughs) It obviously is something that had gotten a lot better. It really had over the last, say, month and a half, month in particular. Um, Why is bouncing back important? I am telling you, Eric, Eric Hosmer is like a preacher to this team. And that's what he's been talking about since the first series. And it was sounding like noise to me, Jay. Okay, Eric, okay. You can't talk to a guy about anything in this clubhouse that they don't say, well, Eric Hosmer says, or Eric Hosmer's been telling us. I've been doing this a long time and have, I don't recall a guy who came in and made this quick of an impact where he basically is the unquestioned leader of this team. And I know that what he's what he was talking about on the plane ride home or today, he runs those play, those hitters meetings by the way. What he's talking about today is Wait, did he run them in Atlanta when they struck <laughs> out 30 times? <laughs> um they tell you Jay, you're going to run into one of those. Baseball's a hard game. I don't know if you've heard that. Uh he's talking about bouncing back today. Duh, I'm just saying it is truly remarkable the impact that Eric Hosmer has on this team. Uh, and, and so I, I, I'm enjoying watching um, things that he says are going to happen or the players say that he says is going to happen, and then do they happen or not? Right. Uh, and ev- it's almost like every week there's something new that I'm learning that his fingerprints are like all over this team. And I think a guy to watch is someone like Renfro, who was, mm. who was really playing well when he came back. He looked like a different hitter. And then now in the last few days, you know, hasn't quite, Okay. His numbers are down. A okay, little, four strikeouts a bit. on four strikeouts on Sunday. Right. I think he had a couple or at least one on Saturday. I lost track there. It was quite a few strikeouts. <laughs> there was also. It was hot, wasn't it? <laughs> on, on Saturday, he also is. Was it a double? 
because he's been getting some hits late in games right, late in on games. two strikes. Right. You might as well just, he might as well have sat down with two strikes earlier in the season. Okay. <laughs> no, that's true. And that was the second day in a row that he got a hit with two strikes late in a game that one of the days was big. One of the days might've been big. Mm-hmm. If someone behind him could have hit, I'm telling you a different player. And I agree with you. So what happens after the four strikeout game? Because Hunter has gotten in his own head before. And and since you're talking about what happens, what happens to this outfield Ooh. situation? I mean, Matt Caesar is the obvious guy. It's kind of remarkable that he's still on the roster that for this long, but injuries have, have helped. Okay, but, so there's one. So there's one. But what the other one's got to be either Jankowski or Reyes, right? You're Jankowski not going to do or anything Reyes. with Margo or, or Renfro unless they wind up part of some like wild trade, you know, where they're packaging guys and, you know, and, and making a huge blockbuster type and deal. To me, but otherwise, it's either going to be Reyes or Jankowski. A few weeks ago, it seemed ludicrous to think Jankowski wouldn't be here. Unfortunately for him and for the Padres, he's he's regressed. So, but again, that's going to, he also is more valuable defensively. Oh my goodness. By a long, long shot. So he's there's speed, a guy, you know, that you bring in late in a game. Right. Okay. Now, you know, you can also do that with Corey Spangenberg. You you could also do that with Hunter Renfro, whose defense is more than adequate, okay? Because Franchi Cordero is going to play, uh, and obviously Will Myers is going to play. You're absolutely right. It's the power potential mm-hmm. and a lot of strikeouts from Fran Reyes, or defense, and you know what? He's getting on base still up. Uh, Obviously not as much as he was, but the getting on base, um, speed and defense of Travis Jankowski. I don't know if you asked me to pick as the guy who's kind of just, you know, watching, I I would think they, this isn't my choice uh, because (laughs) I mean, I just see Fran Reyes as a liability Mm -hmm. Um, though. Dang, if he hits the ball, it's got a chance to be a hit because it goes so fast. So, you know, through the, through the infield or whatever, it's unbelievable how hard he hits. Um, to me, it's Travis Jankowski uh, that goes based on what teams value now. Right. Now, speaking of liabilities, now watch this segue. Speaking of liabilities, Joe Weston Company. Oh, my goodness. The Andy Green exit the other night, you go call another call wrong. That That's just one of the great lines and great videos that will remain in our consciousness for a long time. And whatever else Andy Green does when he's here for however long Andy Green is here and whatever success or not success that he has, you go call another call wrong will always be what I remember Andy Green for because it was just so perfect and in the heat of the moment. But that umpiring crew in general, did you get a sense from the from the Padres and from Andy in particular that that they were going to like send re- – do they yeah. send reports off to Major League Baseball and say – what the hell, guys? What is with these guys? I mean, look, we know your umpires are bad, but this just took it to a. This just seemed to take it to a whole nother level over the weekend. What? How frustrating yes. was? What was it like in the clubhouse? Extremely. All the stuff that was on because obviously not a lot of it's going to be on the record. But what was it like without IDing guys in terms of off the record? The frustration with Joe West and company over the weekend. Well, the frustration with the umpires is. More than I Night, thought. Nightly. It's more than when I covered baseball before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it, it well, is. there's more information, I think, I think available yes. now to see how bad they are. So the information po- lets you know, oh, I was right. Because that's what happens. A guy goes back either, uh, you know, if he was a pinch hitter then, or if he, you know, 
if he had to go back out in the field then during the next inning, mm-hmm. he goes in and watches it in the clubhouse and he goes, I was right. right. Or, okay, fine. It was too close. Sure. There were so many, both ways, by the way. Now, I am watching Padres at bats more closely. It's not that I'm a homer. I'm watching Padres at bats more closely. But they were both ways. I mean, oh, it was unbelievable. I don't unbelievable. think any question. These guys it were just awful. bad, period. I mean, it's not right. like there's some conspiracy but the Padres. The Padres are deeply frustrated by it, and it won't be the first time this year that they send off um, video or make calls. And I would say I didn't think it was possible for them to be more frustrated with the crew than with Hunter Wentelstedt's crew, who they've had like five times, which is bizarre, (laughs) is my understanding. That doesn't happen, but Mm -hmm. it has happened this year. Um, But it was the first time, Jay, I don't get as worked up as you do about it. Um, I appreciate that you do because it lets me know when it happens. Um, unfailingly. Oh, did I miss something? Oh, Jay Posner tweet. Okay. Um, this was the first series where I said, wow, okay, maybe I can get into the robot ump. I mean, it was awful and it was every guy every night. And I'm telling you, Joe West, when I watched the game back again, he honestly looked like he didn't have any idea what was happening on the strikeout call. Mm -hmm. He honestly did. And that's crazy. Well, That's know, crazy. I got a tweet the other day from Barry Bloom, who you know, you know, mm-hmm. and we worked with, and he he covered the Padres back in the '80s, and he said, "How crazy is it that we've we've been around long enough that we've seen Joe West <laughs> run Steve Boros, who was like the <laughs> nicest guy in baseball, and you know, back in the late '80s kind of time frame, I think he took over for Larry Boa in like '87. Uh, so we've seen a guy run." Steve Boros, and now we've seen the guy run Andy Green, and it just tells. And what I said to him was, it tells me a, we've been around a long time, and we're and we're old, although Barry's older, uh, in case he's listening. And the other thing is, what does it say about Major League Baseball that Joe West has been able to be around this long? And it's like, and it's not just Joe West because I don't think Joe West is the worst umpire in baseball. That, As a matter of fact, because my understanding when I looked into it, his balls and strikes are not bad. Right, like. Relatively generally, speaking, especially. Generally. Yeah, I think, that's, I think that's true. but It's his arrogance. and Right. And at some point, somebody should have just made a statement about we're Major League Baseball and we're better than this. Well, and it hasn't happened, so maybe they're not better than that. I, I, don't, I don't know. But it is, it is an issue. I do believe in the robo-umps at some point. I think there's still a place for a home plate umpire to be out there. He just gets a signal, signals ball or strike, and he's still calling – Foul balls, or of course, that he could still get that. He could still call that wrong. The funny thing, but, this weekend had so many bad things. It brought up ways you could improve replay. It brought mm-hmm. up you know calls at at home. I mean, how about the one where they called a there was a double play in the ninth inning. Now it didn't matter to the game, but they called a double uh, that the Dansby Swanson had hit the bag, and they called that Jose Castillo had grounded into a ground out. Then because they changed it on the field after meeting, then that the safe call is what was being reviewed, right? And there was not enough evidence. Had there been an out call, there wouldn't have been enough evidence to overturn that. And I was meanwhile, we're all waiting, watching for five minutes. And I was listening. I was in the car at that point. And as I've told you before, I like going back and forth between the Padre announcers and hearing the other announcers. So I turned on the Braves announcers. I happened to have the Braves guys on, and they were just losing their mind at that at that point. That why, when there was an umpire who was five feet from the base and looked at it, why did he change the call after talking with guys who weren't even in the same neighborhood? And and why did this happen because of the same thing? And then I flipped on the Padre broadcast and they were basically saying the same <laughs> thing. I mean, the thing I, I will respect about the Padre broadcast, and I heard a couple different broadcasts last night that weren't like this. When things, I mean, look, the guys on the broadcast are going to 
wear their sort of Padre tinted sure. glasses. But I will say that, you know, Grant and Orsillo and, and Agler and, and Tony, uh, who were on the air at these times, were very fair about saying, look, this was a bad call. It favored the Padres, but it was a bad call. You don't hear that on every on every broadcast. And uh, I, I do I do respect those guys for, for being honest in those situations. I will say one thing that is frustrating, this will be the last thing, we'll wrap up the Hot Lava podcast. It has... Uh, it speaks to where the Padres are. And one thing that has frustrated them on numerous occasions, including this weekend is, and maybe it's because they're in such tight games. Maybe it's because they're losing that I think, wow, there's validity to this. Corey Spangenberg was just the latest of the players to be rung up on a called third strike. That was clearly ball four in a crucial situation. And all this team is preaching is plate discipline, plate discipline, plate discipline. And you're going up there and you don't know what is a ball or a strike. It's awful tough as a young player to have plate discipline. No, that's very true. And it's like Spangenberg was in, and I know exactly that was Mm -hmm. because it was crazy. And the Padres would have had the bases loaded in that situation. And instead I think it ended the inning, right? I believe so. And, Spencer, it's like, what do you do? I can't swing at that pitch because I'll never hit it. That's it's Matt Stair's whole thing is, is this so too. Yeah, I'm not going to swing. So I have to take that pitch and it's not a strike. And now you call it a strike and you've, complete, you've changed the game by making a terrible call. And look, borderline calls are borderline calls. That was not a borderline call. There that was an egregious mistake. Where I would say umpire. you had to swing at that. Maybe that was a ball. But you had to swing at it, not that one. I think Jankowski might yes. have been one where I, and I think it was right on the outside mm-hmm. of the corner. And you say, okay, that's a great pitch. And maybe, maybe you can't hit it. So maybe you do take it and hope the ump blows the call because that happens, that happens as well. But that, I could see where that would be the most frustrating thing that there is, is these guys are trying to, to learn the strike zone, mm-hmm. basically. Mm-hmm. And yet the strike zone just keeps moving all over the place. And just so people understand what plate discipline is, it's not just balls. I mean, Matt Stair's whole thing is now, of course, 3-2. It's different, but you don't swing at a, what he calls a bastard pitch. You, you, you can't hit. You're not going to get a hit. Right, right. And so it's just crazy the, how, how frustrating that is for them to, I mean, I could go down and name the young players who this year have been rung up on clear balls, and the, the kid did exactly what he was told to do, and I know it's happening all over baseball, but yeah. the Padres are the team we talk about. Jay, thank you very much. Kevin, it's always a pleasure. I know you got two with the A's, and then it's back to the mm-hmm. Bay Area this weekend. And I believe Madison Gumgarner will be oh, part of boy. the uh, part of the rotation for the Giants. So it'll be always interesting to see him and and whether the Padres get into his head, which they have done on a couple of uh, occasions. And then you're off to uh, another uh, oh another goodness. chilly environment in beautiful Arlington, Texas. So have fun, and we will uh, catch up with you later. All right. <laughs>